Chapter Eight of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One, by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Eight. On serène insupportable dans la société par des défauts légers, marquisse sentir à tout moment. Voltaire. The family of Glenfern have already said so much for themselves that it seems as if little remained to be told by their biographer. Mrs. Douglas was the only member of the community who was at all conscious of the unfortunate association of characters and habits that had just taken place. She was a stranger to Lady Juliana, but she was interested by her youth, beauty, and elegance, and felt for the sacrifice she had made a sacrifice so much greater than it was possible she ever could have conceived or anticipated. She could in some degree enter into the nature of her feelings towards the old ladies, for she too had felt how disagreeable people might contrive to render themselves without being guilty of any particular fault, and how much more difficult it is to bear with the weaknesses than the vices of our neighbors. Had these ladies' failings been greater in a moral point of view, it might not have been so arduous a task to put up with them. But to love such a set of little trifling, tormenting foibles, all dignified with the name of virtues, required from her elegant mind an exertion of its highest principles, a continual remembrance of that difficult Christian precept to bear with one another. A person of less sense than Mrs. Douglas would have endeavored to open the eyes of their understandings on what appeared to be the folly and narrow-mindedness of their ways. But she refrained from the attempt, not from the want of benevolent exertion, but from an innate conviction that their foibles all originated in what was now incurable, viz. the natural weakness of their minds, together with their ignorance of the world and the ill liberality and prejudices of vulgar education. These poor women, reasoned the charitable Mrs. Douglas, are perhaps, after all, better characters in the sight of God than I am. He who has endowed us all with his wisdom has seen fit and has placed me amongst them. Oh, may he teach me to remember that we are all his children, and enable me to bear with their faults while I study to correct my own. Thus did this amiable woman contrive not only to live in peace, but without sacrificing her own liberal ideas, to be actually beloved by those amongst whom her lot had been cast, however dissimilar to herself. But for that Christian spirit, in which must ever be included a liberal mind and gentle temper, she must have felt towards her connections a still stronger repugnance than was even manifested by Lady Juliana for Lady Juliana's superiority over them was merely that of refined habits and elegant manners, whereas Mrs. Douglas's was the superiority of a noble and highly gifted mind, which could hold no intercourse with theirs except by stooping to the level of their low capacities. But that the merit of her conduct may be duly appreciated, I shall endeavor to give a slight sketch of the female dramatis personae of Glenfern Castle. Miss Jackie, the senior of the trio, was what is reckoned a very sensible woman, which generally means a very disagreeable, obstinate, illiberable director of all men, women, and children, a sort of superintendent of all actions, time, and place, 
with unquestioned authority to arraign, judge, and condemn upon the statutes of her own supposed sense. Most country parishes have their sensible woman, who lays down the law on all affairs, spiritual and temporal. Miss Jackie stood unrivaled as the sensible woman of Glenfern. She had attained this eminence partly from having a little more understanding than her sisters, but principally from her dictatorial manner and the pompous decisive tone in which she delivered the most commonplace truths. At home her supremacy in all matters of sense was perfectly established, and thence the infection, like other superstitions, had spread over the whole neighborhood. As sensible woman she regulated the family, which she took care to let everybody see. She was conductor of her niece's education, which she took care to let everybody hear. She was a sort of postmistress-general, a detector of all abuses and impositions, and deemed it her prerogative to be consulted about all the useful and useless things which everybody else could have done as well. She was liberal of her advice to the poor, always enforcing upon them the iniquity of idleness, but doing nothing for them in the way of employment, strict economy being one of the many points in which she was particularly sensible. The consequence was, while she was lecturing half the poor women in the parish for their idleness, the bread was kept out of their mouths by the incessant carding of wool and knitting of stockings, and spinning, and reeling, and winding, and purning, that went on amongst the ladies themselves. And by the by, Miss Jackie is not the only sensible woman who thinks she is acting a meritorious part when she converts what ought to be the portion of the poor into the employment of the affluent. In short, Miss Jackie was all over sense. A skillful physiognomist would at a single glance have detected the sensible woman in the erect head, the compressed lips, square elbows, and firm judicious step. Even her very garments seemed to partake of the prevailing character of their mistress. Her ruff always looked more sensible than any other bodies. Her shawl sat most sensibly on her shoulders. Her walking shoes were acknowledged to be very sensible, and she drew on her gloves with an air of sense, as if the one arm had been Seneca, the other Socrates. From what has been said, it may easily be inferred that Miss Jackie was in fact anything but a sensible woman, as indeed no woman can be who bears such visible outward marks of what is in reality the most quiet and unostentatious of all good qualities. But there is a spurious sense which passes equally well with the multitude. It is easily assumed, and still more easily maintained. Common truths and a grave dictatorial air being all that is necessary for its support. Miss Grizzy's character will not admit of so long a commentary as that of her sister. She was merely distinguishable from nothing by her simple good nature, the inextricable entanglement of her thoughts, her love of letter-writing, and her friendship with Lady Maclaughlan. Miss Nicky had about as much sense as Miss Jackie, but as no kingdom can maintain two kings, so no family can admit of two sensible women, and Nicky was therefore obliged to confine hers to the narrowest possible channels of housekeeping, mantua-making, etc., and to sit down for life, or at least till Miss Jackie should be married, with the dubious character of not wanting for sense either. With all these little peccadilloes the sisters possessed some good properties. They were well-meaning, kind-hearted, 
and upon the whole good-tempered. They loved one another, revered their brother, doted upon their nephews and nieces, took a lively interest in the poorest of their poor cousins a hundred degrees removed, and had a firm conviction of the perfectibility of human nature, as exemplified in the persons of all their own friends. Even their failings leaned to virtue's side, for whatever they did was with the intention of doing good, though the means they made use of generally produced an opposite effect. But there are so many Miss Douglases in the world that doubtless every one of my readers is well acquainted with them, as I am myself. I shall therefore leave them to finish the picture according to their ideas, while I return to the parlour, where the worthy spinsters are seated in expectation of the arrival of their friend. End of chapter 8 Recording by Patty Cunningham